the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets, and it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a trip move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals. 18 and 0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it is Panhandle Sports Live on this 27th day of October 2023. You're in the right place for nonstop sports talk from a Panhandle point of view. As we turn our attention to a high school football Friday and a college football Saturday and an NFL football Sunday, we've got a lot to talk about over the next couple of minutes, but I'm Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone in studio as well, and how are you on this Friday morning, sir? You know, it's kind of a bittersweet morning because we always celebrate Fridays here on the show. It's high school football Friday, and it we're running out of high school football Fridays now. It's This is the second to last one before we go into the playoffs for high school football it's uh I'm excited to see the last remaining games down the stretch but again it seems like this season has just gone by in a snap it feels like it's come and gone faster than any high school football season I think I've ever been a part of but it's I'm excited for another round of it tonight and then again we got a full plate of action going on throughout the week and it's always exciting well, before we turn our attention to high school football, let's uh, first take a step back and look at high school soccer because we had the regionals, of course, played yesterday uh, at Spring Mills was the host school on the girls' side of things. My goodness, what an entertaining game it was between Hedgesville and Jefferson. They culminated in Hedgesville winning in double overtime. Three minutes and 30 seconds into the second overtime, Bailey Markley had a, um, a tap-in on a great cross that uh, allowed the Hedgesville Eagle girls soccer team to propel themselves over Jefferson. Remember, they made it last season and lost in double overtime to Morgantown in the state semifinals. So, you know, this is a uh, double overtime break in the white right way for Hedgesville. And then on the boys' side of things, Spring Mills was victorious uh, in their game behind a fantastic performance from Isaiah Briggs. They beat Washington 4-0. Isaiah Briggs, two goals and an assist. So this is an interesting proposition, I guess, Park, because of course, now you advance down to the state tournament. You're one of just four teams in the class. And there's, uh, of course, just two classifications in, in high school soccer. So there's AAA and then AA and single A combined. So you're one of just eight teams left in your classification. And the question needs to be asked, are these teams going to be able to go on a run? From a Hedgesville point of view, you know, what Coach Janney has done, they're stout defensively. They're really good in set pieces. I like the way they use the full width of the pitch. And then from Spring Mills, I mean, we've been talking about the Briggs brothers for a while. Coach Suazo still doing a really good job there in Cardinal country. You know, the Cardinals were a team that made it to the state championship game last year and lost. I think it's fair to say that there's a pretty good chance that uh, 
one of those teams makes a run to a championship game again. Yeah, I think it's very possible. All these teams possess the championship elements that you look for, good coaching, good offense on the striker side of things, and then a back end that can hold things together. If these teams show up to their performance levels and keep things rolling, it's all about getting hot at the right time in these soccer sectionals and regionals for these teams, and these are the teams that got hot at the right time. And it's all about staying hot, keeping the momentum, and getting yourself to potentially a state championship. But there's, it's right there. It's right there for a lot of these teams. I know the Hedgesville girls have been through a tough season. They're getting themselves primed up right now. And on the boys' side, it's a good, yet again another tough run. A lot of teams that have qualified last night. Saw some other ones from GW, another one of the teams that qualified for the state tournament as well this year. It's going to be tough as always, but I think the Eastern Panhandle, once again, is going to represent really well come the state tournament time. Absolutely. So we're going to keep you updated on what the matchups are going to be when those are released. You can find that on our Twitter page at EP Sports Network, and uh, we'll be bringing coverage and try to link up with both head coaches uh, before they go down to Beckley and, uh, and, and play for a state championship next week. But back to high school football, our Panhandle high school football game of the week. We've been talking about it at length all season, all week long. Uh, we'll talk about it just a little bit more with some of the EPAC action as well. Jefferson at home against Clarksburg of Maryland. Martinsburg taking on Hedgesville. This game will be played at Spring Mills High School. So, you know, a lot of great games been played that uh, didn't necessarily involve Spring Mills on Spring Mills' field over the last couple of days. That trend's going to continue. And uh, Musselman and Washington. So these games with varying points of view, Martinsburg wants to finish the regular season undefeated and continue their conference winning streak. You know, Jefferson wants to pick up a win against a Clarksburg team that's below 500 uh, and, and get to the point where they can host in the first round. And Musselman Washington, the winner of that game, Park still alive for postseason contention. The loser of that game um, is knocked out of the playoffs, more or less. Uh, so some of your thoughts from those three particular EPAC games that will be played tonight. Well, definitely our game of the week has a lot of implications behind it just because, again, the loser of that game it has their playoff hopes completely dashed away. For Musselman's sake, we've talked about the scenarios are there to them to make the playoffs as a 4-6 and six team just because of the amount of strength of schedule they've had going up against it. It's a four-straight-week run of Cabell Midland, Martinsburg, Jefferson, and Spring Mills and throwing Morgantown in the mix. That's a full month of some of the best opponents in the entire state at this point. It's been it's been tough sailing at points for Musselman, but they have the chance and the opportunity to turn this thing around with a win over Washington and setting up maybe what could be a win and get in scenario, depending on what happens with Parkersburg this week. And the rest of the teams as well. We know Martinsburg, what they're capable of. They're getting ready to wrap things up against Hedgesville this weekend. Can they go and get a regular season undefeated streak? I think it's very much possible. But, again, Hedgesville has the opportunity to play a spoiler in this game. It's their senior day. I know they're going to want to try and make an impact on that. And then I guess the Cardinals just keep on rolling, I think. I think they just keep things together. And they're they're getting ready to get, hopefully launch themselves into a home playoff game in round one is what we're looking at right now. But it just all depends on how some of the dominoes fall, how things go in between this and there. And it's mainly going to come down by, I think, I think ultimately we get two teams hosting in the first round and it's going to be either Spring Mills or Jefferson. And right now it would probably favor the Cougars because you look down their schedule, they've beaten Spring Mills in week one. That's a big quality win. And the fact that they beat Spring Valley in week three, that's turning more and more into a quality win better the Timberwolves are getting this season. Ultimately, if you ask me today, I think Jefferson's a host and Spring Mills might be the first or second team on the outside looking in. 
on a first-round host, but it's entirely very possible we get three first-round host teams in the first round. And uh, lastly, before we take our first break, we got to talk a little double-A football because you look at the numbers next to their names, 1-7 and seven, Braxton County and 0-9 and Berkeley Springs. And this is a flyover game for the rest of the state. However, Berkeley Springs possessing the longest active losing streak in Class AA. This is the best opportunity they have to pick up the first win in the West Eddy West Eddy era and uh, knock off that trend. So, Park, this game being played at Saturday, 2 o'clock on Cool 92.9. If those of you that haven't heard the format change, if you're a fan of classic rock, boy, do I have the station for you. Um, but talk about what's at stake for Berkeley Springs and uh, how they potentially match up with Braxton County on Saturday. Well, it's a uh, game last year that Berkeley Springs played earlier on in the season. They traveled to Braxton County on a Saturday, and it was a game they probably were going to win unless Connor Duvall doesn't slip on slippery grass. It was pouring the rain that day, I remember. <laughs> I remember it was pouring the rain. Connor Duvall slipped on a uh, quarterback power play on a fourth and one, and that's what ended up costing Berkeley Springs the game. But there, there's opportunities there. I mean, I, I'm kind of trepidatious because the tri bar coming in a little beat up. Of course, Connor Duvall's done for the rest of his season. I got word that Holden Gerson is going to try and play for this game. So that will be a big piece of this offense if he's able to come back and help this team really be able to move the ball passing since they've reverted things back to a shotgun set with the troubles they've had blocking on the offensive line this year. So I, I'm interested to see how things are going to go. I, I hope they get that first win. I know that program has just been starved for it. It's been almost two years now since Berkeley Springs has won a football game. I'm really holding out faith, faith that this is the weekend that they're able to do it and try and buck that trend because I, I want to see Coach Eddie get some success with this program. I think he's the right guy for the job. He's working really well with these kids. We've heard him come on the show, and he's talked with us about it before. Numbers are up in the Berkeley Springs program. He's wanting to establish a culture and get things the right way over that way. And this is would be a big first step, getting that win, snapping that losing streak that's now almost going to stretch over two seasons and get a quality win for this program that will trend in the right direction come for 2024 we got another break to take. When we return, we're going to talk college football, take a brief look at Shepard, and then what's going on in the world of uh, Division One football. Coming up later, we'll have our NFL pick em. And by the way, shouldn't be doing this, but I will. Metro News, of course, nine hours of game day coverage you can hear tomorrow, uh, is going to be featuring a feature on one particular panhandle player in Keyshawn Robinson. We've got an advanced copy of that feature. Oh, yeah. We might have a chance to play it a little bit later on in the show, if and only if our audience wants to hear it. And, and if you do hear it, you'd be the first in the state to hear it. So let us know if you want us to play that a little bit later on in the show as well. But a break to take. This is Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley. Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone hanging out with you on this Friday morning. Coming up, we'll talk about the NFL. We'll pick by pick through every single game. We'll get Parker's picks in the last segment of the show. And if and only if we get a request from the crowd, uh, we'll do what Metro News probably doesn't want us to do and go ahead and play that Keyshawn Robinson feature for you a little bit earlier. It's going to air tomorrow during the WVU coverage of UCF, which you can hear right here on WEPM and WCST. Uh, we're going to talk about the world of Division One college football first because this is just a really boring weekend of college football, and I hope I'm proven wrong. You look at the Big 12, and there's only one game that has a line set that's less than a touchdown. That's Iowa State and Baylor. And I don't think people are setting their alarm clock to wake up to watch Rocco Beck play. Uh, but I think a line that has surprised us a lot, and we won't dwell too long on WVU because we've got a lot of other things to talk about, 
UCF has not won a game in the Big 12. They're 0-4 in, in Big 12 play. And, and this game, and we're going to have a reporter on the scene, mind you. There will be a Panhandle News Network reporter on the scene in the bounce house this weekend, uh, and she goes by the name of Kavalik. Uh UCF is favored by a touchdown. I do not understand how that is possibly the case. I understand the WVU has dropped a couple games in a row, but UCF doesn't do enough on the ground to scare me as much as Oklahoma State does. I'm not implying that I don't think WVU is going to walk or that I think WVU is going to walk away with this game park, but how can UCF be winless in conference play and be favored by an entire seven points? That's a great question, and I'm not too sure if I have the answer to that one. It's I, I'm not too sure just with how things have set themselves up. I know that UCF got back uh, John Reese Bumley, their quarterback, last week. And he played pretty solid. I think it might be just people looking at what happened in the Oklahoma game and and thinking it's an apples-to-apples comparison by saying, okay, UCF almost upset Oklahoma, which means they're a touchdown favorite against WVU when they got smacked in the second half against Oklahoma State because they ran all over the defense. Oh, hang on. Breaking uh, instant analysis from the text line. They've come up with the answer as to why WVU is not favored by a touchdown. Uh, Because we suck. Well, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, you're not wrong. You didn't have to. I mean, I understand the Texas sentiment. WVU is not exactly, you know, you know, steeped in uh, momentum right now. And I understand that UCF might be because they took Oklahoma down to the wire. But again, they're winless in conference play. Yeah. I just, I, I truly don't understand. I, here's what, here's what I'll say. I've said this a couple of times. You know, Vegas, and I'm not a betting man. Often, I leave that up to Parker Stone. Vegas is rarely wrong when it comes to WVU. You know, I remember it's the, very weird. The, I remember we all freaked out the Will Greer year when they set the over under that year for wins at seven and a half, and we thought that's easy money. In fairness, WV won eight games, won eight. but Vegas almost got that perfect on the money. You know, so I I try to stay away from putting money down when WVU is involved, but still, you look at things like that and it's 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 shocking. But we've got uh, nine hours of WVU game day coverage starting at nine o'clock tomorrow here on WEPM and WCST. And Park, as you turn your attention. To the top 25 matchups, there are only, what, a handful of games that are lines that uh, have less than a touchdown as well. Oregon and Utah out of the Pac-12. Oregon's favored by six and a half points on the road, which between you and me, uh, give me the Utes in that one, absolutely. At least to cover, maybe not to win. Louisville and Duke is a four and a half point matchup that favors Louisville. And I'll get your thoughts on this game in a second, because from what I understand, you're pretty heavy behind Duke in this game, right? Um, well, I would have been, but I believe Riley Leonard, their quarterback's not going to be playing in oh, this game. Okay. But so if, if that's the case, I would have been, I'm probably going to rock the cards, but it's uh, yeah, if it all depends on if Riley Leonard plays now, a quarterback that is playing is Joe Milton. The third in Tennessee is only favored by three and a half points on the road against Kentucky. I think that's kind of an odd line. And, uh, one more, that's it. Oregon state. Number 11 in the nation is going to uh, unranked in 4-3 and three Arizona. Oregon State's only favored by three points. And give me uh, DJ Uyangagale uh, and uh, the Beavers by a significant margin, not just the three points they're having. But other than that, I mean, is there anything else that you want to touch on from this college football slate? Because, again, it kind of just looks like a boring week of college football. And we got a traditional rivalry this weekend. We got the Florida Georgia game that'll be going on. Georgia's favored by just over two touchdowns in that one. We've got as well. 
BYU and Texas, that could have some Big 12 implications. BYU's been one of the better newcomers, I think, out of the group that have come in. So we'll see if the Cougars can give Texas a game with the Longhorns, who actually almost got upset by Houston last week. So we'll have to see what that looks like coming into play. And how is USC going to respond to getting beat by Utah? Knock them all the way down to 24th in the nation. It, I mean, how far can the legacy of Caleb Williams carry Lincoln Riley in over in Southern California? That's my question. I saw a graphic that said he right now he's around the same point where Clay Helton was when Clay Helton was getting ready to get fired at USC. Well, let me ask you this. I, I understand the Caleb Williams sentiment by being knocked out of the national champ. We don't have to get into whether or not he should or shouldn't be playing. What I don't understand is this. People are saying because he's knocked out of the national championship and he's knocked out of the Heisman that he should shut it down for the rest of the season, you know, for those that say he should prepare for the NFL. Why is he knocked out of the Heisman? You know, why what if even if USC only wins 9 games this year, he's thrown four picks, 23 touchdowns and he's thrown close to 2500 yards. He's still a Heisman contender, in my opinion. Well, when Robert Griffin III won the Heisman a little over a decade ago, Baylor was a two- or three-loss team. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it just RG3 was that dynamic of a player that season. That's and what I just – I mean, he could still win the Heisman. No, I think it's absolutely still a case for Caleb Williams to win the Heisman. Absolutely. I think right now a lot of people are saying the front-runner front runner, excuse me, is Michael Penix Jr. over in Washington. And fair case, he's been having a fantastic season for the Huskies. But, I mean, Caleb Williams is right there in that discussion. I mean, he's still – playing really great football right now and he's definitely someone you could consider for maybe setting history breaking the trend of only one two-time Heisman winner in college football history the other being Archie Griffin over at Ohio State in the 1970s but it, I'd say keep playing might as well maybe things don't go Washington's way maybe they drop a couple games and Caleb Williams is right back once again a front runner for the Heisman Trophy so do you want to take a guess as to who the top five Heisman odd, uh who who are the top five in Heisman odds and uh Caleb Williams actually is not particularly close really? I think he's 10th you want to take a swing at who's in the top five I'd say Michael Penix he's number two Michael Penix is number two uh, is Carson Beck in there? Eleventh is Caleb Williams. Uh, Carson Beck is eighth. Carson Beck is eighth. He's not in the top five now. Um, how about Drake May? Is he in there? No, Drake he's in the top ten, but not in the top five. Really? All right, who's top five then? J.J. McCarthy. Okay. Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis, and Dylan Gabriel. Okay, I mean, and then Bo Nix. And in fairness, he was the name I was. Bo Nix is the name I was going to bring up. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. Shout out at seven. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, LSU's Jaden Daniels is not getting enough love from what he should be. I agree. Sne sneaky first-round pick next year if he if he decides to come out. He's got the opportunity to be one. I mean, I have to look at the numbers, but really the only person that stands out that probably shouldn't belong is Jordan Travis, who's having a good season, don't get me wrong. All right, one more thing to talk about before we hit the break, uh, because the only, correct me if I'm wrong, the only ranked college football team in the state of West Virginia is playing this Saturday against Bloomsburg and Shepard. Uh, we got to talk to uh, Ernie McCook yesterday in another edition of the Ernie McCook Show. We're going to be posting that on our uh, Panhandle News Network Spotify page a little bit later on today. Um, you know, if we were setting lines for this game, this would be a pretty gross line. I have a feeling it would be set somewhere north of 18 and a half. I'd say 20 and a half. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, Bloomsburg's still stout defensively. They still have a running back that if he gets hot can carry a team into a very competitive game. Uh, you know, what does Shepard need to do well 
uh, tomorrow to make sure that this doesn't become a trap game and pick up a comfortable win number eight. Do exactly what you did last week against Westchester. That's the best way to put it. You go out there, you play a perfect game defensively, shut down everything that Bloomsburg wants to do. They're going to turn a lot to Caleb Monaco, the running back. He's the third leading rusher right now in the PSAC. You lock him down, and I think Bloomsburg is absolutely done offensively. They can't pass the ball. They only have, I believe, six or seven combined touchdown passes between two quarterbacks that they've flip-flopped between this season and just try and keep things together to, on the offensive end. I know the defense for Bloomsburg is one of the better ones in the conference. If you're able to control things on that end, control the line of scrimmage, it's always going to fall on the offensive line for this game. Give Seth Morgan protection, find your open receivers, and it's a Rams offense that's playing right at the right time. I think they're going to be completely fine in this game. It all comes down to stopping the run and just finding the right holes and what Bloomsburg wants to do. And they're going to bring a lot of pressure. Just find ways, pick it up, ID your mics, and you'll be good to go. we got another break to take when we return. We'll react to Thursday Night Football and pick every single game that's happening in the NFL this week, including Tyson Bajan in primetime. And uh, by the way, we're sitting on a Metro News feature. I don't know if they want us to play it or not, but as George Thorogood used to say, you say it and we'll play it. We can listen to some Keyshawn Robinson tape a little bit later on in the show as well. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. It's Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Follow our socials for updates on live broadcasts of local games. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live as we turn our attention to NFL football that's going to happen over the next couple of days. And of course, started last night with a little Thursday night football we were able to watch from Captain Bender's Tavern, the home of the Ernie McCook show that you can hear every Thursday night on 95.9 The Big Dog. As uh, we watched uh, another alarming performance from the Buffalo Bills, it did culminate in a victory. They beat the Bucks 24-18. Uh, but this was a game where Buffalo really stopped, uh, really struggled to get things going Although Dalton Kincaid has turned into quite the rookie pass catcher for the Bills. And here's the call on WGR, a dunk, or Duncan Kincaid, a Dalton Kincaid, 22-yard touchdown reception to make it 17-10 on at the time. Murray in the backfield. Allen in the shotgun, going to roll out to his right, looking for somebody, throws it back across the middle, and Kincaid waltzes into the end zone for his first touchdown as a Buffalo Bill. 22 yards. Allen to Kincaid. Josh Allen finishes with 324 yards and two touchdowns. Khalil Shakur, the leading receiver in this game for the Buffalo Bills. I'm a little concerned with 5-3 and three Buffalo, a team that I thought was a shoe-in to play for another AFC Championship game. After their performances the last couple of weeks, I no longer am confident in this team's ability to win a playoff game. It's going to be, it's a Buffalo team that's streaky, I think is the best way to put it. If you remember, some of the key players on their defense are out for the season. Matt Milano got injured over in the London game for Buffalo. And again, I just, I'm not sure how I feel about Buffalo right now. I think you're in the right sediment. Can they win a playoff game? Are the top two seeds in the AFC going to be a combination of Kansas City, Cincinnati, Baltimore or Jacksonville is my question right now if you ask me today who are the top two seeds in the AFC I'd say Kansas City at the one and I'd say Baltimore at the two those are the, I think have been the two most impressive teams in the AFC so far this season for uh for Tampa's case I think things are maybe starting to kind of fall apart there but 
it's still a really bad NFC South right now, and I'm not too sure how things are going to fall. Uh, realistically, we could see an 8-9 and nine or a 7-10 and 10 team win the NFC South and get a playoff spot, which is going to be really bad for the wild card team in the NFC that maybe has 9 or 10 wins and isn't going to be able to get in. Let me ask you this, Luke. I know this has been a hotbed of topic before for NFL fans. Should they maybe – well, I don't know if they should do this or not – should they eliminate division winning a division as an automatic qualifier for the playoffs in the NFL and just take the seven best teams? Uh, that's a tough question. I mean, in a sense, with wild cards, it, it, it there's usually only one outlier team when it comes to that every yeah. year, and it's usually the NFC East. <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, no, I don't think so. I I, I think that uh, a, a team. I think when you look at it from a TV point of view and things like that, people want there to be some parody and NFL playoff teams to be spread out all across the country. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't necessarily think it's a problem, um, but I could, I mean, I could see it coming to that in the future, but no, I, I don't necessarily think it's a problem. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, th- I like automatic qualifications for winning a division. I mean, that's what are. I think there's enough wild cards to where if you see a seven and nine Dallas Cowboys team, make the playoffs. You know, it's not like it's just the division winners. And then yeah. you, you've got a, a team like, you know, Miami finishes 11-6 and six in second place in their division, and they miss the playoffs. Like, they're going like to make that. the playoffs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Usually that's kind of on the line. Usually if you have an 11 – I think the best finish for a team that never make the playoffs might have been 11 wins. Really? It was either 10 or 11. I, I remember one year the Giants went 10-6, and six and they didn't make the playoffs because the NFC was that good that one year. Mm. I think that was the year Seattle actually went 7-9 and nine and won a playoff game. <laughs> was that the year – so that was that the year that they tied. That would have been Sam Bradford's rookie year. That was the year I think I played the most attention to the NFL. Because I, I think the Rams and the and the Seahawks both had seven and nine records last week of the season. And I remember being a ten or eleven year old and screaming to my dad that tiebreakers didn't make any sense because the Rams <laughs> weren't going to make the playoffs with a rookie rookie Sam Bradford. Uh, man, what a, what a team! What a, what 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 an era that was! And then Stan Kroenke ripped the heart out of St. Louis. All right, so now let's pick the rest of the games in this uh, upcoming NFL week. Uh, we'll start with uh, the one o'clock games and the Dallas Cowboys at four and two hosting the three and four Rams. Dallas favored by six points in this game. Matthew Stafford has not been very efficient this year. He's thrown six picks to seven interceptions. Give me the Cowboys and give me the Cowboys to cover the six points. I like the Cowboys in this game as well. I think their defense is going to put a lot of pressure on Stafford, and that's still a really young offensive line that's not going to have problems dealing with DeMarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. I like the Cowboys to cover. A battle of two NFC North teams where one of them has to win. The three and four Vikings against the two and four Packers. The Vikings on the road favored by a point and a half. Jordan Love is coming off of a horrific performance, and that's the only reason why I want to pick the Vikings in this game. Kirk Cousins is coming off a primetime win, so it's got to be the Vikings winning this game. Yeah, I think it's Minnesota taking this game as well. I think the signs maybe are getting a little worrisome out in Green Bay for Jordan Love if he continues to not play to a level that's, well, at least competitive for a Green Bay Packer quarterback. But I think right now I'm taking Kirk Cousins, the better quarterback right now. I think Minnesota's playing really good football right now, the way they're piecing things together. And Daniil Hunter, we're not talking about him enough. He's the NFL's leading sack getter, and he's been quietly doing it. So I'm taking Minnesota for their pass rush for a beat-up Packers offensive line to beat them on Sunday. The most hated coach in the NFL is Arthur Smith, whose Falcons are going on the road against the 2-4 and four Titans. Atlanta is favored by 2.5 points. Desmond Ritter has been the definition of mid this season, and you brought to my attention some really interesting rumors regarding Derrick Henry. I say that Atlanta wins this game, and I say that Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and uh, Kyle Pitts finish with a combined fewer than uh, 
13 touches in this game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hope that's not the case. But I think Atlanta wins this game. It's looking like Will Levis is going to get the start in this game for Tennessee, the rookie second-round pick from Kentucky. We'll see what he has. They want to throw him out there and just see if they have anything out of him. And we'll just see what happens in that game. But I think that with that being the case, I think the Titans are folding. I think they're finally going to take that step, say, okay, our window is closed. It's time to ship out some of our players and actually rebuild this team. And it's the right thing to do for Tennessee. So I got Atlanta winning this game. The Saints and the Colts are both three and four. And according to the odds makers, this game is dead even. It's at Lucas Oil Stadium. Derek Carr commanding the troops against Gardner Minshew and his mustache. I take the Saints without hesitation in this game to improve back to four and four. I think New Orleans wins this wins this one as well. I like this matchup too. It's a fun one. You've got a Colts team that's really good on the ground. Jonathan Taylor's looking to get back and momentum rolling on his end. Look out for Josh Downs, the rookie out of North Carolina. He's been playing some really good football right now as a rookie for this Colts team. But I got New Orleans. The defense is really good over there for the Saints. And if if New Orleans can have a competent offense in this game, I think they're able to beat Indianapolis. The Dolphins and the Patriots. The Dolphins are 5-2 as they host the 2-5 New England Patriots coming off of that really impressive win uh, against Buffalo last week. Miami's favored by nine and a half points. It's an easy win for Miami, but I don't think they cover this line. I, I'm in the same sentiment. Miami wins, but New England covers the 10-point spread. It's just no matter how bad the offense can get for New England, that defense is always going to be really good. And suddenly, look that J.C. Jackson's playing like J.C. Jackson again over in New England. That's what Bill Belichick does. So I, th- I think the defense holds good for the Pats and stifles some of the elements that Miami likes to run, but I have the Miami Dolphins ending up winning the game. The showdown in East Rutherford between the Jets and the Giants as we roll through the 1 o'clock game here. The Jets are technically on the road 3-3 three and three as they take on the 2-5 and five Giants, and the Jets are favored by three points. I don't see how. Zach Wilson sucks. Uh, Brees Hall's really started to come into his own, but I'll tell you somebody else who's come into his own is one Darren Waller. Give me the Giants here. I'm taking the Giants as well for this one. I think that depending on who's playing at quarterback, I'm not sure if we're trending towards a Tyrod Taylor start for the third straight week or if Daniel Jones is going to try and play. But there's players on the Giants that are finally getting healthy. Andrew Thomas is getting progress in his hamstring injury. John Michael Schmitz is practicing some more the rookie center out of Minnesota. And if these pieces start to come together for the Giants, hopefully things start trending up in the right way. But I do have the Giants winning this game and improving to three and five. Fun fact, these are the most expensive tickets of the weekend. How is that possible? You can you can get into this game for the bargain price of one hundred and eighty eight dollars. I mean, that Man. is that is that is gross. Uh, anyways. The 4-2 and two Steelers are hosting the 5-2 and two Jaguars. Jacksonville going to Acreshire Stadium in Pittsburgh, only favored by 2.5 points. The Steelers are a surprising 4-2 and two based on how anemic they've been to start the season offensively with the exception of George Pickens, who's having one of the more underrated seasons by a wide receiver this year, all things considering. With that said, I think Jacksonville's too talented. The Steelers defensively uh, are always a force to be reckoned with, especially against the Jaguars. But I think this time Jacksonville gets it done and proves to 6-2. and two. You know what? I'm taking an upset pick. I'm taking the Steelers at home for this game. The defense, I think, gets to Trevor Lawrence, who's still a little worried up with that knee injury he had a couple weeks ago. It's, I don't think it caused much too much damage because he ran for 60 yards against the Saints last week. But I think Pittsburgh, for somehow or some way, they are just always going to hang around. And I think this is a game. It's at home. I think they're able to get an upset. And maybe Kenny Pickett maybe starts taking those next steps up a little bit. He's got a great connection with Pickens. I know they're missing Pat Fryermuth, but it's some chances for some other guys to get going. I think I'm taking Pittsburgh in this one and what's going to be a tough game. 
The Commanders and the Eagles, uh, the 6-1 and one Eagles on the road as they go to FedEx Field to take on the 3-4 and four Commanders. Philadelphia favored by 7 points. Washington is no stranger to upsetting the Eagles, uh, but I think the Birds handle this one pretty comfortably. Jalen Hurts' numbers, the more you look at them, not great. Not having that no. good of a season, but the Eagles are 6-1 and one because they've got one of the best defenses in the NFL. They win this game and they cover the 7 points. Eagles win this game. Ron Rivera, if he doesn't win his next game after this one, is fired. Ooh. Harsh. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, though. Uh, the 0-6 Panthers taking on the 3-3 three and three Texans, and uh, Carolina uh, is three-point underdogs at their home stadium. But you know what? I get the sneaking suspicion that there's just enough in the one winnable game that they have on their schedule that the Panthers pull it off and pick up win number one this week against the Texans. I love how efficient C.J. Stroud has been. He's thrown just one interception this year. But Houston has struggled to run the ball. You know, besides Nico Collins, who's been a, a, a godsend as a wide receiver, I'm not really thrilled with their wide receiving room. You know, give me the Panthers throwing everything at the wall to try to pick up their first victory of the season, uh, and they do. I think the Texans pull the win off here, and Carolina keeps stumbling a little bit. I just have concerns with the offensive line over that way, and it, the Texans are playing with some new rejuvenation with D'Amico Ryan's as head coach. I think they keep the momentum up. Stroud has a great game, picks apart a Panthers defense that's really struggled this year. And I, I take Houston winning this game on the road. The Seahawks are 4-2 and two as they take on the 4-2 and two Browns. This game in Seattle. Seattle is favored by 3.5 points, so it's close to a pick em. Uh Geno Smith, talk about somebody that doesn't turn the ball over. What's Kenneth Walker's status? Uh, officially listed as questionable, but I would say more than likely he's going to play. All right, well, if that's the case, I'd take Seattle. If Kenneth Walker doesn't play, I think the Browns win this game. I was impressed with how they moved the ball. I was impressed with how Miles Garrett almost single-handedly won a game by himself uh, on that side of the ball last week. Uh, but with that said, if Walker's playing, give me the Seahawks. I'm going to take Seattle in this game. And also over, uh, I don't know if we retweeted this over on our official page, but I did it on my personal page. There's a really cool NFL films, uh, kind of like mini doc on Geno yeah. Smith that was put out this week. It, it was really cool. So if you give that a chance, give that a look. It was really fun to watch that video for Geno. But I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. All right. Uh, turning now to the Chiefs and the Broncos, Kansas City six and one as they head to Mile High in Denver to take on the Broncos, who are two and five. Man, this has got the the, the makings to be a divisional matchup that's got a little bit of weirdness to it. The over under is only forty seven, and Kansas City's favored by seven points. As Chiefs win, don't get me wrong, I got a sneaking suspicion that the Broncos are going to cover. Chiefs win. How many Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes handshakes do we get in this game? Well, you know, it's getting weird because now Jackson Mahomes is trying to insert himself into that handshake. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully the under. I will take the under of whatever that is because I don't want to see it on my screen. I mean, I don't want to sound like an old man that yells at the cloud. I don't care if they show Taylor Swift, but like, you know, keep it easy. Take it easy, fellas. All right. The Ravens are taking on the Cardinals. Five and two at Baltimore. One and six. The Arizona Cardinals are not rushing back Kyler Murray anytime soon because there's no reason to. Baltimore's favored by nine and a half points. I think it's a foregone conclusion they win, but do they cover? I say no. I like the way Josh Dobbs is playing, just enough to keep it close. I say the Ravens do cover. Josh Dobbs had a down game last week. Is he able to bring it back? I don't know. And the Ravens have just been playing really good football. So I'm taking the Ravens to win and the Ravens to cover the 10 points, Brad. I'll let you lead off with your pick for the next one because the 5-2 and two 49ers are playing host to the 3-3 three and three Bengals. San Francisco is favored by four points. However, I'm taking the upset pick. I'm taking the Bengals, and there's going to be some worry in San Francisco. That'll be their third straight loss if they if they lose to Cincinnati at or Cincinnati comes on the road and beats them. 
I think the Bengals, again, are trying to pick things up. T. Higgins will be close to 100% once again for this team after they come out of the bye, and I think this team's really going to start picking things up and get a little hot like they always do at this point of the year. I think the Bengals get the win here, especially if Brock Purdy is not going to be playing. He's officially listed as questionable. He's still in concussion protocol right now. For that reason, I'm taking the Bengals. What was a fun matchup when we saw the schedule to start the season has turned into an even more entertaining matchup despite the records of the two teams. On Sunday Night Football, the 2-5 and Bajant-led Bears take on the 2-4 and four Justin Herbert-led Chargers. This game can be seen at NBC kicking off at 820 with our local kid uh, commanding the troops in Chicago, though, of course, this game is being played in Inglewood. And the Chargers are favored by 8.5 points. That's a huge line, which makes me not want to pick the Bears with my homerism, but I will say that Bajant and the boys cover that line without hesitation despite losing the game. I say Chargers win... Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know about the line. I don't know about the line. Eight and a half is a weird number. I'm, I'm gonna have to punt on the line on that one. <laughs> it's uh, I, I'm, I'm looking for Tyson to have a good performance in this one. Chargers are one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. If he can slice that defense up a little bit. He's going to have to throw the ball probably 35 times for yeah. him to win this game. Yeah, that was the thing. He didn't throw a ball a ton when they played the Raiders. If he's going to be, he's got to show something in this game that he's going to be able to throw the ball and lead the team down the field more effectively than what he showed because I mean his defense did a lot of the work for him against the Chargers or excuse me against the Raiders and the running game ended up being really good Deontay Foreman had a fantastic game so I'm interested to see how Tyson's going to move the ball in this Chargers defense but I ultimately I do have the Chargers getting a win to maybe save Brandon Staley's job speaking of the Raiders they uh, are in Monday Night Football as they take on the five and two Lions Detroit favored by eight points against the three and four Raiders Jimmy G is going to play as is Jared Goff I think eight points is a huge line so give me the Raiders to cover in that game again as a homer I want to pick them to win straight up but I'll settle for them losing but covering that eight point line I got Detroit in a bounce back win after being embarrassed by Baltimore covering the line I'm gonna say no uh, David Montgomery's not playing in this game, right? Correct. No, it'll be it'll be the Jameer Gibbs show again for the second straight week. He looks so good in the second half of the game. Given the freaking ball, Dan Campbell. I mean, what are we doing here? All right, those are our picks for this NFL weekend. We'll take a break. When we return, we'll get Parker's picks. And if we've got time, we'll listen to that Metro News Keyshawn Robinson feature. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Can't get enough of Panhandle Sports? Head to PanhandleNewsNetwork.com for articles on your favorite teams. Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live for the week. High school football tonight on WEPM and WCST. Our coverage will begin at 645 as Washington welcomes Musselman. Winner of that game stays alive for postseason contention. The loser is probably knocked out of the playoffs. As I mentioned, final segment of the week, final Parker's picks of the week. Got to make it a good yeah, one. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, it was a two-for-three day yesterday. We had our lock of the day miss. Stephon Diggs was close. He had a decent second half, but wasn't able to get the line to where we wanted it to. He had 70 receiving yards. The line was set at 86.5. We nailed the Dalton Kincaid pick. We had him over on 40.5 receiving yards. Had the best game of his career. Had 65 yards in that touchdown. And Josh Allen was able to get two passing touchdowns and hit that over on the one and a half that we set for yesterday. So, of course, we know what we do. Fridays, we double barrel our picks in the fall for 
college football and the NFL action. So we're going to go for the college lock this weekend is going to be North Carolina beats Georgia Tech by a touchdown. I think the Tar Heels get a nice bounce back win after being upset and all their ACC hopes dashed by UVA of all teams. I saw the stat when, well, I saw this game whenever I got to my uh, hotel room over in, uh, over New Jersey for over last weekend that's the first time that UVA has ever beat a top 10 team on the road hmm. in that program's history. So shout out to the Wahoos for a big win for that program. But I'm taking the Tar Heels to get a touchdown victory over Georgia Tech this weekend. I'm going to go as well as Trey Benson of Florida State is an anytime touchdown score. He's arguably the top running back prospect in this year's NFL draft. Benson's been playing good for the Seminoles. And he's going to help them get a big win over Wake Forest, as well as I have Bo Nix over one and a half touchdown passes against Utah. I think, again, we mentioned him as maybe a contender for the Heisman if things fall certain ways for the Ducks. I think Bo Nix is able to throw two touchdown passes and what could turn out to be a shootout with the Utes this weekend. For the NFL picks this weekend, my lock is going to be the Ravens getting the win over the Cardinals. I think they're able to handle Arizona, get a win, and Baltimore keeps the hot streak going. I've got the Falcons with the win over the Titans just because, as we mentioned before, in NFL pickums. I think just Will Levis is going to get a little maybe shook out there in his first NFL game. And I think the Falcons will control the game with defense and running the football as well as I have Tyson Bajan over half over half a touchdown pass. So all all Tyson Bajan needs is one touchdown pass to hit over this line. I think he gets it in this game against the Chargers. So again, quick recap for you. College picks. North Carolina wins by a touchdown over Georgia Tech. Trey Benson as an anytime touchdown score. Bo Nix throws two touchdown passes against Utah. NFL picks. We've got the Ravens with the win over the Cardinals. We've got the Falcons with the win over the Titans. And Tyson Bajan throws a touchdown pass on Sunday Night Football. To finish out the show today, Metro News will have nine hours of WVU game day coverage tomorrow against UCF. And in the pregame, they're going to play a feature about Keyshawn Robinson. But uh, since we're special out here in the panhandle, we're going to give you an early look at that feature. And this is how it's going to sound tomorrow, voiced by Kyle Wiggs. But a couple of other voices uh, that I'm sure you're going to recognize as well. This is a feature on Keyshawn Robinson and his commitment to WVU. It's a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a juke move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. What a play from the fastest man in the state of West Virginia. The fastest man in the Mountain State wears maroon and gold and plays high school football at Jefferson in West Virginia's Eastern Panhandle. It's Keyshawn Robinson. That touchdown call by Parker Stone on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM in Martinsburg. Soon, Robinson Speed will be featured on Saturdays wearing golden blue for the Mountaineers. It's Robinson Speed that stands out. His first college football offer came from Old Dominion University, but after running a 4-2-8-40, other offers quickly came in, including one from Mountaineer head coach Neil Brown. After the whole process, after getting that first offer, people started noticing me more. I ran a good 40 time. And I had a lot of recruiters reach out to me, a lot of people follow me and stuff. And after that, I just came on some visits, came to uh, some game visits, and all this and that. Talked to uh, Neil Brown, and then he offered me there and there. He was talking to me about my personal life and stuff like that, just trying to get to know me more, just making a great relationship and bond together. Jefferson head football coach Craig Hunter saw that potential years ago during a middle school event. Had the middle school hosted a seven on seven. I saw what he was doing out there and how he was able to run routes and his speed and he was a little upset that day that he didn't get the ball as much as he as he, as he was supposed to or thought he was going to get the ball and I had a little conversation with him just to keep persevering to keep going and things would come to him and things would get better and from that point on I've, I've kind of 
kept a close eye on Keyshawn and I kind of coached his father so I kind of know the family a little bit so just keeping a close eye on him from that point on. Robinson's athletic success isn't limited to the football field. We mentioned him being the fastest man in the state. He proved that at the state track meet in May. He won the 100, 200, and 400 meter sprint events. Robinson says he enjoys running track as much as playing football. I started in sixth grade and it just progressively got better and started from there. Robinson's 4x200 meter relay team was star-studded, featuring Spencer Powell and Isaiah Fritz, both members of the Shepherd University football team now, and Robinson's current Jefferson teammate, Tayshawn Roper. And Robinson will forever be linked with another football and sprinting sensation, Jeray Hawkins. Hawkins attended Wheeling Park High School before moving on to IMG Academy and signing with the University of Florida to play football. We started to become friends afterwards. I don't know, it was kind of like a little rivalry against me and him, but I think we, we're pretty good friends now yeah. since he moved and stuff. During the recruiting process at WVU, Robinson also became acquainted with former Martinsburg High School standout Hudson Clement of the Mountaineers. But I talk to him here and there when I come down for some visits and stuff. I like, I'll dab him up and talk to him, just try to get to know him more and uh, try to make friends. Coach Hunter at Jefferson is convinced Robinson has the intangibles to excel on the football field for the Mountaineers. He's a guy who wants it. I mean, he wants the ball. He wants to be the guy who helps the team win, be successful in any way he can, whether it be whether it be him stretching the field, going the ball, going after deep balls, whether it be him running the ball, whether it be even, you know, even he's even coming to me at points in times and just told me, hey coach, if you need to, just use me as a decoy. So even just saying those things tells you what kind of person he is, that he's not selfish and that he's got to have the ball every play. He wants the ball every play. He wants to do whatever it takes to help the team win in whatever role he can play in that. That's what he wants to do. Take a couple of steps to his right, look to throw towards the end zone, has a man, it's Robinson, makes the catch, did he get the feet down, it's a touchdown, what a throw, just dropped it in the bucket in the back corner of the end zone, put it where only the fastest man in the state could make the grab. Luke Wiggs with the call on WEPM radio, as Keyshawn Robinson has excited high school sports fans in the panhandle for the past four years. Speed translates and it will be on display, as Robinson has a bright future for sure, with the Mountaineer football program. That's Kyle Wiggs. You'll hear that tomorrow as part of uh, Metro News' game day coverage. But tonight on WEPM and WCST, you can hear high school football as it's Musselman taking on Washington. Our pregame coverage will begin at 645. For Parker Stone, I've been Luke Wiggs, and we'll talk to you all on Monday. I'm going to change that tune When I'm back on top Back on top in June I said that's life That's life And as funny as it may seem Some people get their kicks Stomping on a dream But I don't let it Let it get me down WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs A WVRC media station we're proud to live here too.